to another episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 164. And today, my guest is going to be me. So I'm going to be talking all about cash-based physical therapy. So cash-based physical therapy means that you do not take insurance. And I get a lot of questions from physical therapists and physical therapy students from around the country asking uh, my advice or tips for running a cash-based business. So I figured I might as well get all those questions, put them together, and do a podcast on it. So today's podcast is going to be answering a lot of those questions. I do try and answer uh, everybody's questions via email. I just thought this would be a little bit more efficient. So let me give you a little background on myself and my practice. So I, for those of you who don't know, I have a home-based physical therapy practice in New York City. It is a cash-based practice, meaning I do not take insurance. And I've been doing this for probably 10 years now. Uh, I am always full of patience. It has been quite successful and I am super happy and super duper grateful that I get to do this every day. So today I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to answer your questions. Um, I got a lot of them. So what I'm probably going to have to do is I'm going to have to break this podcast up. I'm going to try and keep it to 30 minutes, so maybe two 30-minute podcasts. So think of this as uh, part one of your Cash PT podcast. So let me get right to the questions. So one of the first questions I got was, what can someone do to significantly increase his or her odds of success when first starting a cash PT practice. So I figured I'd start with kind of starting it up and then roll into some of the specifics uh, to running a cash-based practice. So the things, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for a long time and the I've made plenty of mistakes, have learned from those mistakes, and so I'm going to try and give you some of that information now. But I think, in my opinion, some of the most important things you need to increase your odds of success when first starting a cash PT practice, and and this probably goes for almost any entrepreneur. Number one, make sure you have a good back end to your practice. What does this mean? It means that you have a good lawyer and you have a good accountant, unless perhaps you already went to school to be a lawyer or you are already an accountant. I am of the mindset that I like to do what I'm good at, and I'm good at being a physical therapist. That is in my wheelhouse. So for the things that are not in my wheelhouse, I would rather give them to the people who are experts at it, meaning I needed to set up a corporate form for my business. The first time I did that, I got kind of bad advice from an accountant I was working with at a time, did not go to a lawyer, went through the accountant and their firm to help set it up. And it was completely wrong for the type of business that I had. So what happened? It cost me money. It cost me time. And most of all, a lot of aggravation. So 
a couple of years ago, I contacted uh, a lawyer that was in my women's entrepreneurial group, Jonay Williams, and she was on the podcast last week. So if you missed the podcast last week, go back and listen to it. She has a lot of great advice as far as starting up your business and protecting your business. So I got with her. We dissolved my current corporate form, and we discussed together, myself, Jonay, and my new accountant, discussed which would be the best corporate form for me and the way I wanted to run my business. So once I had that all set up, that was a huge load off of uh, my shoulders. And having a lawyer do it for you, does it cost money? Yes. Is it going to break your bank? No. Will it help you perhaps save money in the long run? Absolutely. So to significantly increase your odds of success, have a good back end to your practice. Make sure you have the right corporate form. I know some people out there are sole props. This means that you do not have a specific corporate entity. In my opinion, I think this could lead to problems. If God forbid someone sues you and you do not have a corporate form, you are not set up as a corporation, they can take all of your assets. If you own a home, if you have a car, if you have a family, they can take all of your assets from you personally. So I believe even if you're only seeing, you know, a couple of patients per week on the side, I think you should definitely form a corporate business because you're doing it to protect yourself and protect your personal assets. And Joe Ney goes into that a lot more in the podcast that aired last week. So uh, if you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. And that will really, really help to increase your odds of success from the get-go. Like I said, aside from a good lawyer, you need a good accountant. They will help you with your taxes. I am not an accountant. I One thing you do not want to do is screw up your taxes. So make sure you have a good accountant. So that is number one on how to set yourself up for success. Number two, get very clear on how you see your business. How do you want to run your business? Do you want to hire people? Do you not want to hire people? Do you want to have a home-based business, kind of like what I have? Will you have a brick and mortar business? Who do you want to treat? These are things you have to be very, very clear about. So my suggestion is to get out a piece of paper and make up some categories and start brainstorming. Think about who do you want to treat? Who's your ideal, who is your ideal client? Think about how you want to treat Do you want to see patients in their homes? Do you want to rent space out of a gym? Do you want to have a standalone brick and mortar business? You really need to be clear, crystal clear on these things because this is where you're going to be spending the majority of your time. So you had best want to spend it in a way that makes you happy and with people you want to spend it with. So get out those pieces of paper, write out all of the stuff I just said so that you can really kind of get clear on where you want to go. Um, Next, another thing you want to be really, really clear on is your three Ps, the letter P. So number one, your purpose. 
Number two, your promise. Number three, your personality. Know your purpose, know your promise, know your personality. Why do you have to know these things? Because this is what makes you unique. This is what makes your offering unique and special. So you want to look at the three Ps and see how does that separate you from other physical therapists in your area. So what is your purpose? So for example, my purpose is to provide physical therapy and wellness services to my clients utilizing the latest evidence-based care in the comfort of their home or office. Quick, simple, succinct to the point. Your purpose does not have to be four or five paragraphs of your purpose. If it is, you better rethink your purpose. Get laser sharp on what your purpose is. It should only be one or two sentences. It doesn't have to be a big deal. What is your promise? So what does this mean? This is your promise to the people you are serving. You are in service of your clients. So what do you promise them? So as an example, my promise is to treat my clients to the best of my abilities with care, empathy, and professionalism to ensure a meaningful therapeutic relationship. I will listen to my clients and do my best to fulfill their needs while creating mutual therapeutic partnerships to attain their goals. So my promise basically is to work as hard as I can to help them get to where they want to be. Because in the end, it's about that client, it's about that patient. So what can you do? What is your promise to that patient? How are you going to help them? Pretty simple, right? So the third P is personality. So what does that mean, personality? So it what that means is, what does what do you bring to each session? So think about that. So for me, my personality is I will be professional, I will be happy, I will be punctual, I will be compassionate, I will be friendly. You know, these are, can just be a couple of words that sort of sum up your professional personality. How are you going to bring those qualities to the table with every single patient? So if you write those down and you go in to see your patient, you have those personality traits in the back of your head so that when you go in, you know that you're going to be pleasant, you're going to be happy, you're going to be friendly, compassionate, punctual, empathetic, whatever words you feel best describes you, perhaps dynamic, uh, outgoing, fun. These are all acceptable personality traits that you can bring to the table that's going to differentiate you from the physical therapist across town, down the block, across the street, etc. So again, take out that piece of paper and start brainstorming. What is your purpose? What is your promise? And what is your personality? If you can get these very clear, it will help get you into the right mindset to start your business and stick with what you are. Very, very important. Uh, Number three, so just to recap, we've got have a good team behind you. We've got the three Ps. Number three, 
I mentioned having a good back end. It's also important to have a good support system. This doesn't necessarily mean someone working at your front desk or a PT assistant or personal trainers or, or athletic trainers working alongside you. When I think of my support group, I think of friends, family, colleagues who are behind me and who want to see me succeed. And FYI, some of these people are physical therapists, but a lot of them aren't. So I suggest find an entrepreneurial group in your area. I'm obviously a woman, so I am part of a couple of online entrepreneurial groups, and I also have some great friends who are also physical therapists who I consider part of my support team. So it's really important to find your tribe. Find that group of people who are behind you 100% who genuinely want to see you succeed and you know you'll you'll be able to find these people they're out there they want to help you you want to be wary of those people who come to you because maybe they just under the guise of wanting to quote unquote help you to succeed but maybe they're there because they're hoping to get something from you and they don't really want to give you anything in return. And you'll be able to weed out those people pretty quickly, you know, um, because you can tell when someone is genuine there to help you and people who are maybe not so genuine or perhaps when a, a better offer comes along, they jump ship pretty quickly. So be wary of those people. For the most part, hopefully you won't encounter those people, but if you do, my suggestion is just to keep them at arm's length. Um, But you really want to find that group of people or your tribe that is there to help you no matter what, 100%. And I suggest try to find people who are outside of the physical therapy world. You know, a lot of people uh, have great things to offer. So find other entrepreneurs, try and pick their brain, offer them something, they can offer you something in return. So you really want to look for those mutual two-way streets, those kind of relationships. So I have found those relationships to be so helpful in in my journey as an entrepreneur, and I think that that is 100% important to increase your odds of success when you're first starting out your cash PT practice. Uh, And finally, number four, so again, just to recap, we've got the three Ps, we've got a good back end, we've got finding your tribe. And finally, I think in this digital age that we are in, another really important thing is a website. So once you've figured out your three Ps, then you can go on and you can create a website that's going to deliver, that you're going to love, and that's going to be able to grow and move with you as your practice grows and moves because all our websites should be dynamic, living, breathing entities. So when you're, once you've got your three Ps figured out and you know what direction you want to take your practice in, time to get that website up and running. So do you do it yourself or do you hire a web designer? That is completely up to you. I, my first website, I did myself. And then once I've realized, oh, I think I really need something more, I had a professional website developer help me with my website. Um, 
my, so I'll, let me give you an example. So I took my personality, my three P's, and I tried to figure out what do I want my website to be? So I wanted my website to be basically an online business card. So people get referred to me, they go onto the website, they get a little more information, they know what I'm about, they contact me. My online business card. My website does not have a blog attached to it, and that's okay. I'm okay with that because that is not the purpose of my website. Because I have a home-based practice here in New York City, I get some people from my website, but most of my people I get from word of mouth, and that's marketing stuff, and we'll get to that in the next uh, installment of uh, the Cash PT uh, based podcast. So that'll probably be in part two. But when I wanted my website, I said to the designer, because my clientele happens to be, um, more affluent clientele, I said, I really wanted my website to be, uh, simple, beautiful, kind of like the Tiffany's of physical therapy or the Gucci of physical therapy. So I was looking for that really high-end feel um, and, and looking for something that my clients, because I have already, I already figured out who my ideal client is, um, and my ideal client are people who shop in those stores. So I wanted my website to reflect what my ideal client are, is already into. So that's how I decided to work my website. Everybody is different, but know your three Ps. Know what the feel of your website is going to be. Are you going to be selling things on your website? Are you going to have a blog attached? Is it going to be just like an online business card? These are things you want to figure out before you go in and start a website. Very, very important. Um, now, I see a lot of websites. Uh, people post them in different groups on Facebook. And there are a couple of things that I wanted to say when you're starting out your Cash PT website. I've seen this a couple of times, and I have to tell you, I don't like it. When you're getting your website up and running, and you are saying, who am I? What do I offer? How am I different? Well, you should have already established that with your three Ps as to what makes you different and unique and what unique offering you're going to give to your client. Just remember, your website is about you and your business and your practice. Your website is not out there to bash websites who do not, who are not cash-based websites. I see it all the time, and I have to tell you, it drives me crazy. So if you have a website, don't go on and say, I'm so much better than XYZ therapy clinic down the road because I spend an hour with you. You are lucky if you only get a half an hour at XYZ. At XYZ, the therapist is never with you. I'm with you all the time. This is not good. You don't want to be bashing your fellow colleagues because they're your colleagues. And believe it or not, one day that colleague may be your referral source. I get clients referred to me all the time from other clinics. So please, 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 I beg of you, do not bash your fellow physical therapists on your way to the top. Please make sure that you're cognizant of the fact that some people chose to not have a cash-based physical therapy practice, and that's awesome, that's fine. So please do not belittle those who 
have, who take insurance. Because like I said, one day those people may be the very people who are going to be referring patients to you or who may be part of your tribe or who may be able to help you with business-related questions. So please, please, please don't do that. I see it all the time, and I always tell the people who do that to change your website around. That is not what your website is for. Your website is to talk about you and how great you are and what you can bring to the table, not about bashing the people who are down the street across town or what have you. So please, please, please don't do that. Okay. Otherwise, your website, super important. Uh, You want to make sure it's SEO ready. You want to make sure that uh, when people do searches in your area, make sure you're you're up on that first page of Google because Google is the new referral source. Um, and, And again... However you decide to set up your website is fine. Just make sure that it reflects you, it reflects your three Ps, and that it shows what makes you unique and special. And it shows what you can offer to the patient, client, whatever you want to call it. So those are the things that I think are super important to set you up for success in a cash PT model. Okay, so hopefully you took some notes there. All right, now, you've set up your practice and you're still kind of figuring out, what do I do for paperwork? How does this work? How do I, what about liability issues and that kind of stuff? So let me get to a couple of those questions. We've got about 10 minutes left here. So I'm going to get to a couple of those questions. And like I said, marketing will be the next podcast. Okay, so this was a good question sent in. Uh, discussion of the paperwork necessary to provide to a client to allow them to submit to a third-party payer for out-of-network benefits. Okay, so before we even get to that, what I usually do is I ask my patients, please call your insurance company because it's their insurance. It's important that they know what their insurance has to offer. So call your insurance company. First thing you do, ask, do I have out-of-network benefits? Second, Do I have a deductible? Third, has my deductible been met in order to get my out-of-network benefits? Number three, uh, is there any paperwork I need to attach from the invoice from my physical therapist in order to get reimbursed? I put that on the patient. Uh, Some people will call the insurance company and do that for the patient. Personally, I just don't have time. It's just me. And that's something that as I'm getting busier and busier, is probably something that I may start to delegate to a virtual assistant. And we can get into that later. Um, So that is the first thing. Have the patient call, you call, your virtual assistant, your admin, whoever's calling. Have them call the insurance company. Does this patient have out-of-network benefits? Do they have a deductible? Has the deductible been met? Is there any extra paperwork that needs to be attached uh, to the invoice or to the super bill for that patient to get reimbursed? It will save you a ton of headaches later on because if you have everything right the first time, then you don't have to go back and forth and spend all this time uh, talking to the insurance companies to see exactly what they need. Okay. So what has to go on your invoice, your super bill, whatever you want to call it? The patient's name. 
pretty basic. The diagnosis code, you can still use ICD-9 codes, but you'll have to switch to ICD-10 codes. I think that's in October. Um, place of service number. For most people, this will either be 11, which is an in an office, or 12, which is in the home. Some insurance, I live in New York State, some insurance companies require a place of service, some don't. I just put the place of service on all of my super bills. So again, it will usually be 11, which is in an office, or 12, which is in the home. Then you have your CPT codes for whatever your treatment was that day. So some examples of CPT codes, 97001 for an eval, 97110 Therex, 97140 manual therapy, you get the idea. Um, the number of units, usually in 15-minute increments for each code. So I personally see each of my patients for an hour, so I bill four units. Uh, depending on what we do during that session is how I bill. So I will bill four codes. Uh, sometimes I'll bill three codes uh, because maybe we did a half an hour of Therex, so I'll do two for Therex and, and one for uh, whatever other codes that I did. These are just examples. Um, sometimes I see people for half an hour, so I bill two codes. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Um, the price you are charging per unit. So for each code, you have a price per unit. And then finally, the total price for that session. Uh, that all has to be on there. Uh, your federal EIN number or your employer identification number or tax ID. If you do not have a formal business entity, which I discussed earlier, if you're a sole prop, uh, you could use your social security number or you can go online. Uh, I, I think this depending on uh, where you are, but you can go online and you can get an EIN even if you're not uh, incorporated. But again, I highly suggest that you incorporate just to protect you and your assets. I can't say that enough. Okay. And then finally, you need your license number, your address, and your phone number. So put it on your letterhead. Uh, there are programs. Uh, if you're using QuickBooks, you can generate a super bill through QuickBooks. You can put your name on it. You can put your letterhead on top of that. You can sign it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have WebPT, you can also use WebPT, uh, and they have a little billing section, so not not their formal billing section, but after at the end of your note, you can put your CPT codes on there, and they can send that into the insurance company as well. So that is what you need for paperwork necessary for your clients to turn into their insurance company to get their out-of-network benefits. Another thing that's important here is when you tell your patient you may be reimbursed. Please do not tell them, oh, 100% you're going to get reimbursed, no problems, because that's not true. So tell your patients you may get reimbursed what is usual and customary according to the insurance company and a percentage of that. So for instance, I was once speaking to a physical therapist and they were charging a lot of money per visit. And I think it was around $360 per visit for an hour visit because she said, well, I called the insurance company and the insurance company said they reimbursed $90 a code. So the patient will get all of the money back. Not true. That is not true, uh, unless you have some crazy good insurance. For the most part, I've never really heard of that. Usually you'll get reimbursed a percentage of what the insurance company deems usual and customary. So if you charge $200 a visit, maybe they say usual and customary is 
Maybe they'll say $200 and then that person will get reimbursed a percentage of that. But again, it depends on the insurance company. I have a lot of patients who get reimbursed almost all of it and I have some patients who get reimbursed a percentage. But please make sure, do not tell your patient, oh yeah, you will always get 100% uh, reimbursed because I, in my experience, I have never found that to be true. And then you're setting up your patient's expectations for something that's not going to happen. And then that goes back, that comes back on you. Do you think the patient's going to be happy that you told them that and then it's not true? Probably not. So make sure you keep that in mind. Okay. Another question. Uh, Discussion of treating clients at various locations. For example, can I treat someone in their home, at a park, in a gym, etc.? Uh, yes, you can treat someone in his or her home. I live in New York City, and many of my clients have gyms in their buildings, um, in their high-rise, so I treat them in the gym in their building. Sometimes those gyms will require you to add them to your liability insurance. I have my liability through HPSO. So sometimes if I go into a building gym, that gym will be asked to be placed on the insurance on HPO's liability, HPSO's liability insurance. So uh, make sure you check with whatever gym you're going into. Do you have to add them to your liability? If you do, I suggest you get that done as quickly as possible. Like I said, I have HPSO. They're pretty quick about it. You can get it done in the same day or a couple days. Um, So yes, definitely talk to your liability insurance carrier. See what you have to do. Uh, And then as far as treating people outside in a park or in a gym, I mean, if it's functional for that patient, then I suppose it's okay. I guess it's like if you're trying to see if a person can walk a community distance, you have to treat them outdoors. Um, for pl- if, but if that's only where you're treating them for place of visit, to be quite honest, I'm not 100% sure about how you would bill for that. Um, so that might be something you want to maybe check in your state practice act, or you might want to contact a healthcare lawyer about that. Um, just to be on the safe side, but I'm not 100% sure. So, uh, oh, and just an FYI, if you, uh, a great healthcare lawyer, someone to check out is Gwen Simons. She's on Facebook at, at Gwen Simons One. That's G W E N. S-I-M-O-N-S-1. She is a physical therapist and a lawyer. She's based in Vermont, I believe. But if you go to at Gwen Simons1 on her Twitter account, uh, it will link to her website. So she's got a lot of great knowledge on, on a lot of this stuff. So I would suggest if you have any questions, direct them to her, tweet her, or send her an email. Okay. So that is the discussion of treating clients at various locations. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, just check with your practice act. Make sure that what you're doing still fits uh, the patient's function. Okay. Uh, so I have time for maybe two more questions here. These are going to be quick questions. Uh, fee determination, please. So how do you determine your fee? So obviously, there's going to be different price points depending on where you live in the country. And how do you determine what is the best fee? What 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 do you deserve to get paid? So this is my suggestion. Um, I would research a couple of things. Research what other professionals who accept cash only are being paid, meaning 
Are there fitness uh, instructors, yoga professionals, Pilates instructors, personal trainers in your area? I'm sure there are. Find out what they are charging and then up the charge. Also, look around in your area. What are physical therapy clinics who take insurance? What are they charging people? What is their cash uh, charge? So some places take insurance, but they don't take all insurance. And so they have a cash fee or a cash charge for their clients. Find out what that cash charge is, and you can sort of adjust yours accordingly. And look at what other cash PTs are charging in your area. Pretty easy. So look around, do your research, and and find something that you feel is appropriate for your area and that you feel comfortable charging. Um, Again, Everybody's got to make a living, making a living, charging for your services to help people feel better. Those are not mutually exclusive. So you can help people and you can still get paid for it uh, because we've all got bills to pay, right? So again, look around in your area, find what other professionals who charge cash are charging, fitness, personal trainers, yoga, Pilates, and up the charge. Or look around, what are other Uh, cash PTs in your area charging, and what are other brick and mortar who take insurance practices, what are they charging? What is their cash rate? So that's a really easy, quick way for you to determine what your fare should be. Okay, moving on. Um, Again, what... Oh, this was this was an interesting question. How do you handle double booking or even just partial overlap booking? Okay, so how do you handle double booking? Well, I can tell you from my experience, when you first start your cash business, you're starting out, it's just you. Odds are you don't have someone picking up the phone, you don't have an admin, you don't have even a virtual assistant. So the easiest way to avoid double booking is just don't book it because you're probably the one booking it. So just be very clear on your calendar. Uh, never say to someone, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And then you look on your calendar, oops, can't do it. So just don't do it. That's the easiest way to avoid a double booking or, or an overlap. Just don't book it. Just don't double book it. Um, so I think, I hope that answers that question. I think it's pretty easy. Um, Yeah, just don't do it. And if you do do it, apologize like crazy and promise it will never happen again. I think when I, I think I double booked, like I said, I've been doing this for about 10 years. I double booked someone one time and I remember it as clear as day because I was working with a patient and just said, oh my gosh, wait, what time is it? I got totally screwed up and turned around. I called the patient immediately, profusely apologized, and the patient was okay with it because it had never happened before. Because think about my promise, professionalism, punctuality, that's part of my promise and part of of my personality. And so the patient totally understood because it had never happened before. If this is a problem and you find it happening all the time, I think you better check yourself because something is going on that is causing you to to not be on top of your game. So how do you avoid double bookings? Just don't do it because you're probably the one making all the... Uh, making all the bookings and making all of the appointments. So, so yeah, just don't do it. Uh, okay, a couple more questions here, and then we're going to end today, and then the next one will be all about marketing. Um, okay, 
What have you found to be the most practical form of billing? One flat hourly rate or different prices for different services rendered per session? Ugh. Okay. One flat hourly rate, different prices for different services. Holy cow. That would be crazy. Um, so, and I, I'm not sure if this person means, um, uh, different services in that. I did manual therapy. I did uh, neuromuscular re-ed. We did Therax. I mean, that would be a nightmare having to figure that out every single time and then to tell the patient, I mean, way too much work. So my suggestion is one flat hourly rate. Now I have physical therapy and I also do wellness services or personal training, strength conditioning. So I do have different charges for physical therapy. I charge more for the personal training. I charge a little less because there's not as much behind the scenes work and paperwork and all that stuff involved. So um, I, I guess in that regard, I do have different prices for different services, but that is one flat rate for each service. It makes it a lot easier. Everybody's on the same page. It makes your billing easier. It makes everything easier. Uh, next question. Whew, what are some pertinent materials or tools that you have found to be helpful when providing therapy in the home setting? Okay. So when I go to patients' homes, sometimes you have to be like a MacGyver PT. You kind of have to use what's around, and that's fine. Uh, a lot of my patients are willing to purchase uh, small items if necessary. Uh, just like any other therapist, I use TheraBands. Those I give to the patients free of charge. I know a lot of people don't like that, but it's what I do. So, you know, that it is what it is. Um, but if there's any other things that patients may want, I encourage them to purchase it because once they finish PT, their exercise career is not over. So I encourage them to purchase, to have these things in their home because we're looking to make a lifestyle change here. It's not when, oh, I feel better, I'm pain-free, PT's over, wash my hands of it, I don't have to do the exercises anymore. This, we want to make a lifestyle change. We want patients to use these tools. We want patients to use these exercises for the rest of their lives. We want to have a lifestyle change. So I will encourage them to purchase it. And, and we're talking small things here, nothing major. Um, and or a lot of my patients have, like I said, gyms in their building or they belong to a gym. So sometimes we'll go over gym equipment, how to use it. Uh, if they belong to a gym, then I'll try and hook them up with a personal trainer who is who I work with uh, just to make sure we're all on the same page. And I'll get to more in that uh, in the marketing part of this. Uh, typical amount of time per session. Normally my sessions are an hour. The eval may be a little bit longer, but it depends on what the patient needs. A lot of times when I work with children, which I see a lot of kids in my practice, I usually keep those sessions to the first one's usually an hour and then after that 30 minutes because the attention span of a nine-year-old, trust me, uh, is, is, is not one hour long, uh, for sure, not one hour long. Um, and this is another question I got that's more for people doing home care. Tips for keeping traveling distance between patients practical, so avoiding excessive travel. I mean, I'm in New York City. Uh, I take buses and subways or I walk. That being said, a lot of people think, oh, it's so easy. I mean, you're in New York City. You can just walk everywhere or take the bus or what have you. You don't have to worry about uh, traveling long distances. But for me, I live on the Upper West Side. 
If I have a patient on the Upper East Side, believe it or not, I have to give myself an hour because it can take up to 45 minutes to get across town, which is crazy because you're going, what, three miles? But traffic is traffic. So my best advice is, is if you know you're going to be in one part of town or, or one part of your geographic area that you serve, do your best to schedule all your patients in that area um, so that you're not kind of going back and forth and back and forth. I used to do that all the time and it made life much more difficult. So now I schedule patients, uh, I sort of try and cluster them all together. So if I'm going to be on the east side, I see all my patients on the east side and then maybe I'll come back over to the west side. But I do my best to not be shuffling back and forth across town because it takes up time, makes my day longer, um, and it can be a real pain in the butt. Uh, documentation tips. So let's say if you are uh, doing a home care, again, this is for a home care practice. I just carry a small notebook in my bag. And when I'm done treating that patient, I just jot everything down when I'm on the bus or I'm on the subway or in between patients. And then when I get home, I personally use WebPT. I just use their documentation. I do not use the billing aspect of it. I think it's $50 a month, which for me is totally worth it because it's HIPAA compliant. Again, Doing all that technical stuff, that is not in my wheelhouse. So I am more than happy to have someone do it for me, and I will pay the $50 a month to WebPT to know that I'm HIPAA compliant and to have a nice, easy template for me to follow. Not that this is an advertisement for WebPT, but it's what I use. I enjoy it. I like it. Um, Like I said... Anything that saves me time and keeps me in my wheelhouse and doesn't force me to have to do all this other stuff just to do documentation, I'm in. Sign me up. Uh, Last question for today. Services that you have found to be most in demand. So like I said, I have a combination of physical therapy and wellness visits. I would say I'm about 60-40, 60 PT, 40 wellness visits, which for me is great. I love the variety. Um, It helps kind of decrease that professional burnout, I think. It keeps the creative juices flowing. I love it. So that's my uh, services in most demand. All right, so that ends this uh, first part of answering all of your cash-based PT questions. Uh, The next podcast, which will be up in a couple of weeks, will talk about just marketing. What have I found to be helpful? What do I use? How do I use it? And all that fun stuff to keep the patient load coming. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope you all got a lot out of this. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.